The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light, we see Jesus Christ dying on Calvary, being resurrected on the third day. In the kingdom of darkness, we see Lucifer, a fallen angel, 
one who became jealous of Jesus, one who wanted to be worshipped. And he set up a kingdom of rebellion against the almighty God of heaven. This kingdom of darkness seduced one man and one woman. And Adam became the first man. And he chose to rebel against the Almighty. And he and Eve joined the kingdom of darkness. When they joined the kingdom of darkness, their sons and their daughters, you and me, we all followed suit. And we became works of darkness. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, if the kingdom of light had simply withdrawn, we would all be destroyed. There would be no hope for us. But God is a God of of love and compassion and mercy and justice. Even though Adam and Eve had their hearts deceived by the kingdom of darkness, he put in motion a plan from the foundations of the world. And Jesus came to die to break the chain of sin and darkness. And the kingdom of light invaded the dark prison planet called Earth. And he made a way of escape for us. A narrow gate. Many are called to enter that narrow gate, but very few will do so. Why? Because... They're a part of the kingdom of darkness. They're in rebellion against the almighty God of heaven. But by God's grace, he opened a door of escape. In Romans, the sixth chapter, what then shall we say? Continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? Certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it any longer? That's the secret. To enter the kingdom of light through the narrow gate, we must die to the kingdom of darkness. You see, there are two very different administrations. The administration of the kingdom of light is giving the administration of the kingdom of darkness is taking the administration of the kingdom of light is love the administration of the kingdom of darkness is selfishness one kingdom gives you a purpose and a meaning for life The other kingdom takes all purpose away 
and life becomes utterly meaningless and without value. And today we see this being worked out. The kingdom of darkness in America wants communism to come and rule over men's hearts, erasing the kingdom of light. The first thing Stalin did when he took over in Russia was to kill all the pastors and burn every Bible he could get a hold of. Why? Because he knew the kingdom of light was opposed to his participation in the kingdom of darkness. And so today in America... We have political figures who are standing under the banner of the kingdom of darkness, advocating the murder of babies, advocating the disillusion of religious liberty, saying that religion is the harbinger of hate in America, that the Christian faith is a harbinger of hate in America. Why would that be so? Because the kingdom of darkness hates the kingdom of light and all who are associated with it. And the modern church has taken the wicked position that you cannot leave the kingdom of darkness, that you will always have in your heart the wickedness described in Romans 7, that that's the normal life of the Christian. He's lying. That's the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light believes in life and joy and abundance. The kingdom of light believes in righteousness and holiness. So we have these two very different kingdoms. Now what can be confusing about this is that right now we're in the in-between place where the kingdom of light is taking over the kingdom of darkness, but it's not yet complete. And so Jesus said, the kingdom of God is among you, but it's not fully realized yet and will not be until Jesus comes back for his bride. And when he comes back for his bride... The kingdom of darkness will be cast into the pit of fire and consumed. And the kingdom of light will be established over the entire earth. And what a glorious, glorious thing that will be. The marker of the kingdom of light is justice, long-suffering, mercy, but first and foremost, according to 1 John, the kingdom of light is about love. The kingdom of light is about love. Now, all of this is very personal to the God of heaven, our Father who art in heaven. He sent his Son, born of a of a virgin to pay the price to make the atonement that a door could be opened into heaven 
you have a choice. And you must make that choice. You either are going to enter into the kingdom of light, or you're going to dwell in the kingdom of darkness. And everywhere the occult symbols are bearing their fruit in America, from Lady Gaga to all the others who are utterly sold out to the kingdom of darkness, to sexual impurity, to the ugliness, the grossness of the kingdom of darkness. Why is Halloween all about skulls and dragons? Why is it all about death? Because the theme song of the kingdom of darkness is hatred and death. I want no part in it. I utterly reject it. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. And I have gone with him into the kingdom of light. Now, when we look at Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus is speaking. I'm going to begin reading at verse 31. So never begin to worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we put on? For the pagans seek after all of these things. Now your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But you must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is where it begins. As our heart is made sick by the kingdom of darkness. And we say there must be more. How can I escape from this body of sin? How can I be healed and made whole? This world is so filled with suffering and pain and darkness. Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God. That kingdom is made up of rules, of of new understandings. I drove this morning to the post office to check to see if any of you had sent a contribution for the work of the gospel. There was nothing there. And that's all right. I praise God for what is there and for what is not there because he's carrying me and he's carrying this broadcast and he's carrying it in part through his moving in your hearts and the love you share for Jesus. This kingdom of God is first and foremost a royal authority that begins to be exercised in the earth and begins to be exercised in your life as you seek after this royal authority that Jesus would begin to rule over your heart by his spirit. We're to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And that word righteousness, it means innocence. To be innocent before God. To utterly 
renounce the kingdom of darkness and everything associated with it. Now, how do we know what's associated with the kingdom of darkness? What are the rules of the road? How are we to understand this? Well, Jesus begins helping us to understand very early in his ministry. He brings his disciples close on the Mount of Blessing. I've been to that mount. Now banana trees grow on that mount, but it's still beautiful. And in the near distance is the Sea of Galilee. Jesus sat on that Mount of Blessing and he began to teach his disciples and all those who gathered to hear about this new kingdom that he was announcing. And he begins by first announcing what the attitudes are that we must have if we're going to enter into this kingdom. And they are dramatically different than the attitudes of the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness, it's get what you can get. Take all you can take. Lie, cheat, do whatever you have to do, but get your goals and protect yourself. Destroy your enemy. Hate those who don't go along with you. Violence, thuggery, destruction of property. We see that kingdom very graphically being displayed in the cities across America who are controlled by mayors and governors who are of the kingdom of darkness, who hate the light, who hate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us what his kingdom is. I'd like to take just a few minutes with you today to speak with you about the attitudes of the kingdom of light. Now, they're called the Beatitudes. Why? Well, they are attitudes, but Beatitude means sweet blessing. That's the literal. It comes from the Latin. Sweet blessing. Each of these attitudes is introduced to us in a stair-step manner, one building on the next. And each one begins with the word blessed or blessed. And then it identifies who is the blessed. And it identifies what their reward is. So, my father, when I was just a child, he would say to me, Raymond, you have a bad attitude. Change your attitude. And go to your room until you've changed your attitude, Raymond. And so after my attitude had changed, I came back to my dad and I said, Daddy, my attitude has changed. Okay, Raymond. I want you to go to the garden and I want you to hoe. And here's where I want you to hoe. Now, if you still have a bad attitude, I'm going to see it on your face. 
And in that case, you'll need to go back to your room until your attitude changes. I could not work in my father's garden with a bad attitude. (laughs) And I learned my attitude can change through discipline. Even so, it is with Jesus. Sometimes he has to bring discipline to us to cause our attitudes to change. But here are the attitudes that he wants us to have as we come to begin seeking the kingdom of light. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. There are several words in the Greek for poor. The word being used here literally means I have no ability to make myself wealthy. I have no ability to change my situation. I come just as I am to Jesus. And I confess that I cannot change myself. I confess that my sin holds me captive. I confess that I am a hopeless case. All pride is cast out. All pride is cast out. I have to humble my heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Now, may I just divert for a moment to identify one of the great issues that stop us from being able to enter into the kingdom of the heavens. It's called opinions. Thanksgiving is coming. Family members will gather around the Thanksgiving table in spite of COVID-19, I pray. But one of the things that will happen is surely conversation will turn to the election and to the differing opinions that people hold. And they hold very strongly to these opinions. And they're, they're quick to express them and to condemn. And many families have broken their loving relationship over foolish opinions. Well, what is an opinion? An opinion is simply what I think about something. And I think I'm right. And opinions are always very prideful. It's opinions versus truth. You see, truth stands alone. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So it doesn't really matter what I think or what my opinion is. It matters what Jesus thinks, and it matters what he says the truth is. And I have no room for pride. Truth stands by itself. Opinions come into the church and they cause relationships to break. I can say something on this radio and 
someone can become very angry because their opinion of what I've said may not be what I meant or what I've said even. But their judgment about that causes them to be very angry with me and to cut me off. That's an opinion. Opinions are very, very dangerous. I have found myself lately, and you've seen it. I've put my hand over my mouth, even on this broadcast. And I've paused. Why? Because I know that what I think and what I say doesn't matter. It's what Jesus thinks, and it's what Jesus says that matter. And I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to say something that's out of my own flesh, out of my own soul. I've come on this broadcast to speak to you about the kingdom of God, about Jesus, about the glorious truth of Jesus Christ. So it's okay, we can talk about our opinions. But let's hold our opinions very lightly. Let's not make the mistake of thinking that our opinions are the truth. And let's not act on our opinions. Let's act on the truth as it is in Jesus. I want to share a story with you. It's a story that I heard a long time ago but it's really touched my heart. A priest was passing through his church in the middle of the day, and he decided to pause by the altar to see who had come to pray. Just then the back door opened. A man came down the aisle. The priest frowned as he saw the man who had not shaved in a while His shirt was torn and shabby. His coat was worn and frayed. The man knelt and bowed his head. And then he arose and walked away. In the days that followed, at precisely precisely noon, the priest saw this man each time he knelt just for a moment, a lunchbox in his lap. Well, the priest's suspicions grew with robbery, a main fear. He decided to stop and ask the man, What are you doing here? The old man said he was a a factory worker and that lunch was half an hour. Lunchtime was his prayer time for finding strength and power I stay only a moment because the factory's far away. As I kneel here talking to the Lord, this is kind of what I say. I just came by to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Don't know much of how to pray but I think about you every day. So Jesus, this is Ben, just checking in today. 
the priest was feeling foolish. Told Ben that it was fine. He told the man that he was welcome to pray there any time. It's time to go, and thanks, Ben said as he hurried to the door. And then the priest knelt there at the altar, which he'd never done before. And suddenly his cold heart melted, warmed with love, as he met Jesus there. As the tears flowed down his cheeks, he repeated old Ben's prayer. I just came by to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other and you took away my sin. I don't know much of how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is me. Just checking in today. Past noon one day, the priest noticed that old Ben had not come. As more days passed, and still no Ben. He began to worry some. At the factory, he asked about him and learned he was ill. The hospital staff was, was also worried, but he had given them such a, a thrill. The week that Ben was with them, he brought changes to the ward. His smiles and joy were contagious. Changed people were his reward. The head nurse could not understand why Ben was so glad when no flowers, no calls, no cards came. Not one visitor came to see Ben. The priest stayed by his bed. He voiced the nurse's concern. Ben, no friends have come to show they care. Old Ben had nowhere to turn. But looking surprised, old Ben spoke up. With a smile, a winsome smile, he said, the nurse is wrong. She couldn't know. He's been here all along. Every day at noon, he comes here. A dear friend of mine, you see. He sits right down and he takes my hand and he leans over and he says to me, I just came by to tell you, Ben, how happy I've been since we found each other and I took away your sin. I think about you always. I love to hear you pray. So, Ben... This is Jesus, just checking in. Many people walk in and out of our lives, but it's only true friends that leave footprints in your heart. And they're rare and unusual. Most people come and go. I want to tell you today, in the kingdom of light, 
people don't come and go. In the kingdom of light, Jesus is always there. And whatever we need, he's there to lift us up and encourage us and love us. And then he finds others in the kingdom of light who will come and stand with us, who will walk with us, who will not go in and out, but who stand, though the heavens fall. That's the kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of love and mercy and compassion, long-suffering, slow to anger, full of forgiveness. You can probably tell I'm very much in love with the kingdom of light, with the kingdom of my Lord Jesus Christ. He's everything to me. He's everything to me. Now this blessed are the poor in spirit begins the journey where we humble our hearts before him. We give up our opinions. We walk in the truth. We walk faithfully before Jesus. And he gives to us the kingdom of heaven. It's only the humble who can walk into the kingdom of heaven. The proud are barred. They can be very religious, but they cannot enter the kingdom of God. Blessed are the ones mourning, for they will be comforted. When you come to the kingdom of light and you see that you are utterly helpless, you see that sin has made vast inroads into your heart and is destroying you, and you see the love and the compassion of Jesus, and you hear his invitation to lay down your life of sin, all we can do is weep over the darkness that has surrounded us and captured us. And we begin to say, Lord... Will you comfort my heart? Will you deliver me from myself? From the wickedness and sin that has enveloped my life? Will you deliver me? And our hearts are comforted. And as we continue waiting before him, it says, Blessed are the ones hungering, No, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. You see, these first three attitudes all blend together as one where we recognize we can't help ourselves, where we begin to weep over our wicked heart and our wicked speech and how we've hurt other people. And in that, we're very humble. The next step is the attitude of, Lord, I'm hungry. Would you feed me? Will you pour your spirit into me? May I eat the broken body and and drink the spilled blood of my Lord Jesus? 
I am hungry for you. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. But what is our daily bread? Our daily bread is the broken body of Jesus Christ. It's real food. His spilled blood is real drink. The Lord's Prayer, we're asking, can we eat at the table of the Lord? That's all King David wanted to do. He didn't join King Saul sitting at the table of demons. He didn't He didn't join King Saul in sitting at the witch's table, the witch of Endor. He didn't sit at the witch's table, the kingdom of darkness. No, he sat at the kingdom of light, where goodness and mercy follow him all the days of his life, where he became a part of the kingdom of light. He feasted at the table of the Lord. We find a great hunger arising in our hearts as we read the scriptures, as we pray. We find we no longer have a taste for the television. We no longer have a taste for the world's entertainment. We no longer have a taste for the Redskins or any other professional sport. We just don't have a taste for the things of darkness anymore. We learn to separate very carefully the things of the kingdom of light and the things of the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are some things that you say, Oh, pastor, come on, what's the harm in this? Well, the harm is it comes from the kingdom of darkness. It looks good. It tastes good. But it doesn't draw your heart to Jesus. It satisfies the lust of your heart for knowledge. It satisfies the lust of your heart for your pride. Not for the kingdom of light. So anything that does not cause you to hunger and thirst after Jesus Christ, I tell you frankly, Cut it off. Friendships that entice you to talk about and to dwell in the things of darkness. End the friendship. You want to be friends with the kingdom of light, with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we've come to a separating time in America. For many years I've prayed, O Lord, make the distinction between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light very apparent to my eyes. Well, he's doing that in America today and in the world, the Western world especially. It's plain to see what is of the kingdom of darkness. And it's plain to see what is of the kingdom of light. Blessed are the ones 
Oh, happy is not a good enough translation. Blessed means all of the gifts of heaven belong to you. You are granted the peace of Jesus Christ. Blessed are the ones hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. I have to have this attitude of of being poor in spirit, of, of mourning over my participation in the kingdom of darkness, a humbling of my heart where I give up my strong opinions. where I hunger and thirst after righteousness, after Jesus. And he says, if you'll hunger and thirst after righteousness, your heart will be satisfied. You'll be full. You won't be hungry anymore. I can remember a time in my life when I just felt like I needed to roam. I was searching for something. So I went to the movies. I went to the entertainment. I'd walk out of the theater after seeing an action movie, and my heart would be so sick. My heart would be sick. I remember my late wife. I used to always, many, many years ago, I used to always go to an action movie on Friday afternoon. So I invited my new wife to go with me, and we went to the action movie. We came out of that movie, and she promptly vomited all over the sidewalk. I said, what's wrong, sweetheart? She said, the violence in that movie made me sick to my stomach. Well, she was right. I was wrong. That ended my going to violent movies. And soon after that, it ended my going to any movie. Because I recognized that even if it was a good movie, it was made by wicked people, not people who loved Jesus. And I wanted what was of the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. My roaming stopped when I began to seriously read the scriptures. As I did this morning, sitting in the presence of God, feasting on the word of God, my heart was satisfied and and peaceful. The presence of Jesus was very close. These Bible stories that we tell our children bring peace to their hearts bring joy. Wow! God did that? God saved Noah in a boat? Jesus came up out of the grave? You mean there's a way we don't have to die? And the more you think about it and the more you meditate on the words of Scripture and the more you know the Word of God, the more joyful your heart becomes. Now, 
there is a new attitude. It is the attitude of being merciful to others, of not judging, of being kind-hearted, of forgiving, not full of my own pride, my own arrogance. It's all been taken out of me by these first attitude changes. These are changes I must make by the power of Jesus in my attitude, recognizing the reality of my condition before a holy God. And then I'm given a new attitude regarding blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's an awesome thing to have a pure heart before God, and it's here for you. It's here for you. You become a peacemaker instead of a war maker. And just a heads up, you're going to be persecuted because of all this. The kingdom of darkness will hate you, scorn you, ridicule you. It's okay. The kingdom of darkness rules for a short time and then it will be over and we'll enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light for eternity. Now, please, just very quickly, as we are running the clock down, the Beatitudes, the new attitudes introduce us to what is called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Moses gave the Ten Commandments and the Law of God. Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. They're comparable. The Sermon on the Mount are the rules of the road for the kingdom of God. If you want to understand the new, the new system... You know, when you, when you have a whole new system to learn, a new software program you have to learn, it takes some time. Well, this is the whole new system. This is the new program. The new attitudes introduce you and enable you to walk in the new rules of the road for the kingdom of God. My advice to you is... Follow my, follow my example. And each day, read through the Sermon on the Mount so that you begin to learn the rules of the road. When you drive on the highway, you see the speed limit, 55. You know that that's the law. And if you're going 70, the policeman will probably stop you and issue you a ticket. Well, likewise, these are the rules of the road of the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. Now, I want to come back as we close this broadcast. I want to read for you chapter 6 of the book of Romans. I've been reading this at least once a day, sometimes more than once a day. What then shall we say? Continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? 
you know, what should we say? Should we, should we continue to live in the kingdom of darkness and hang on to that and try to enter into the kingdom of light, dragging the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? And Paul is saying, absolutely no, do not do this. He knows it's impossible to dwell in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness at the same time. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it? Or are you uneducated? That as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Remember, it's death is the narrow gate by which we enter into the kingdom of light. Really, we were buried together with him by the means of the baptism into the death that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in the newness of life. Those who tell you that you must always walk in the darkness are lying to you. I'm sorry to put it so bluntly, but there's no more time to play games with the kingdom of darkness. The blood of Jesus Christ utterly delivers you from the kingdom of darkness and brings you into the kingdom of light if you're willing to be crucified with him. That is, die to the kingdom of darkness. Renounce it. Christian in the story of Pilgrim's Progress, after which this radio broadcast is named. He had to make that decision. And he renounced the kingdom of darkness. And he told Satan very much to his face, I renounce you, Satan. I no longer belong to you. I belong to the kingdom of light. You must make that same decision. Listen. For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed. There are a number of Greek words that can express suppressed, held down. That's not the word that's being used here. Destroyed is the word being used. And he means literally... To not suppress sin in your heart, not to hold it down, but to utterly destroy it and make you new. That we not hereafter serve sin, for the one having died has been freed from sin. If you have not been freed from sin, you are still walking in the kingdom of darkness, and you cannot be saved until you are crucified with Christ, until you die to that sin, until you are born from above. It is a supernatural work of grace. It is not imputed. It is imparted righteousness that is real, and you no longer walk in the old way kingdom of darkness. You don't walk in twilight. You come fully into the glorious message that Jesus Christ will give you a pure heart. What wonderful news.
What awesome news. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. What a glorious truth. Well, we're almost out of time for this broadcast. I want to thank each one of you. Mike, Tom, I want to thank each one of you. Gail, who has so kindly given. Thank you. Because of your giving and moving in obedience to the Holy Spirit, October's radio bill money is now in the bank. It's been deposited, and the check will soon go out to cover. I praise the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What a miracle. In COVID, God's people moving for the work of the gospel. I'd love to hear from more of you. We need now to get ready to pay November's bill. Would you go to the upper right-hand corner of our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. Thank you, dear brother and sister. You can also give by writing to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you're watching on YouTube, would you please go and subscribe to our channel? 